Marketing. It's the great unfair business advantage of our time. But it's also filled with questions like where should you start? What should you do? And how do you even afford it? The good news is you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Gathering, an all-new podcast brought to you by The Marketing Clan. Hello, guys. How are you? Hello. Good. How's things? Good. Very well. Good, good. And uh, Peter, how are you feeling after your uh, charity ride on the weekend? Um, very satisfied, a bit sore, a bit tired, but uh, no, it went well despite uh, inclement conditions. So um, we managed to raise about 400 grand for the Children's Cancer Institute, which was fantastic. And um, yeah, wow. back into it now. Actually got to do some work. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and how, long, how many hours were you riding for? Uh, it was 12. 12 hours. 7 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock at night. And um, it rained pretty much the entire time. It was very cold. So, yeah, could have, the weather could have been nicer to us. But, um, you know, as they kept reminding us at the end of the day, compared to a young child fighting cancer, it's not a particularly big struggle. So stop complaining and get back out there. <laughs> as you should. Well done, though. <laughs> a bit yeah. harsh, but true, yes. Oh, well, yeah, hard to argue. They were right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, yeah. we're, um, we're going to be participating in the Noah's Challenge next weekend as a family, which is going to be quite interesting. Um, so I think the, the course is about four kilometres, but there are lots of different activities and challenges uh, around around the Shoalhaven River, so we'll have to see how the little guys get on. But we've managed to raise yeah. over about $700 as a family so far, so that's, that's pretty good. So uh, That's excellent. That. Sure. Bretsky, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Oh, not too much. I do a bit of riding, actually, like Pete, but not quite as many kilometres as Pete. Well, I got home the other day just to find – I went to put my bike away and I, suddenly the whole seat almost come off the post. I thought, geez, I've actually broken the seat and uh, I've got well, to go and replace mate. it. Well, <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what my missus said. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I do a bit of riding and that's good fun. And, uh, yeah, not, not quite as many Ks as Pete. Yeah, very good. And, and Terry, you, you've been a bit active recently, but a bit further afield. Uh, I have, yes. Yes, uh, the family went to uh, Rwanda on holiday, so we did our Gorillas in the Mist bit, which was, uh, uh, well, uh, better than I even expected. And I must admit I had very high expectations, but we all got very fit beforehand because it's uh, – it's a bit of a hike up the uh, those old uh, volcanoes, uh, fighting your way through the uh, the undergrowth and the bamboo. But uh, needless to say, they didn't give me a, a machete. Uh, I had to follow some guys. But yeah, great time, great time. So was that uh, you were catching up with family, or you you were just uh, going to see? No, 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 just catching up with a couple of uh, relatives up in Rwanda. Yes. <laughs> the re- the relatives aren't gorillas, are they, Terry? Oh, well, yes. You look a bit like a silverback, Terry. Yeah, well, more, more of a greyback than a silverback, unfortunately. But uh, no, they are, um, uh, as you'd expect, they are incredibly human. And a silverback uh, walked past me, and he must have been about, I don't know, six inches away. Uh, but I didn't, uh, I didn't make eye contact with him. No. <laughs> you may not be here with us now, otherwise. No, no, no. Well, actually, they're very, very, very placid animals. But no, great fun. Very, very fun. Very good. Well, so, um, moving on from Silverback Gorillas. Um, so, this is our third episode of the Great Unfair Business Advantage, and today we're going to talk just about point of difference. Um, so, when it comes to identifying a point of difference, uh, we'll be covering some of the things that businesses can think about 
in order to create a unique story or something to hang their communication on. So point of difference may be a perceived unique benefit that you offer your customers or perhaps comes down to the way you communicate. Um, or it might be coming down to customer service or experience um, and the speed of delivery, for example, of a product or warranty. Um, so there are lots of different things that we can talk about when it comes to this. Um, and I think that one of the most recent things I've seen on television recently is a new CBA ad uh, where customer service is the key uh, communication point. And strange enough, we've been dealing with CBA as part of our um, construction for our home recently. And uh, sure enough, the, that experience has actually been come through to a regional sort of local branch level, which is great, where the, uh, the branch person actually phoned us up and which is quite unusual for one of the big four, actually um, responding quickly to things. So uh, that, it was good that it actually uh, works. So I, I guess I'm going to put it to you guys now as to why do you think it is, is important for SMEs uh, to, to sort of carefully think about their point of difference? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll chip in first of all. I think one of the main things is that um, with so much competition out there, you really do need to create that point of di- that point of difference, whether it's a uh, an actual point of difference or, as you referred to it, a unique perceived benefit, it's something that will just set you apart uh, and hopefully uh, get your head above the parapet. Uh, a lot of services are seen as commodities, and if you're able to uh, add that extra value with a point of difference and ensure that you deliver on it, like CBA are doing, which sometimes surprised me with bigger companies. They, they, they say they have a point of difference, but the actual customer experience isn't there. So I think that's one of the main uh, aspects to it. But hey, uh, that's just my view. Yeah, look, I think the marketplace is, um, you know, in most industries these days, is very competitive, as you say, Terry, but that can that competitiveness can actually create confusion for customers. And I think, yeah, um, yeah. you know, if you can imagine, if you think of the, your market as, as a sort of a, an ocean that your customers and prospects need to navigate, you know, I think by having clear, clearly defined and clearly communicated points or point of difference can, can really help people navigate that journey, whether it's towards you or, or, you know, if it's not, if they're not the customer for you, that might be okay too. But they can understand more clearly who does what and what they're going to get out of that. Whereas when it's more muddled, I think it makes life difficult not just for you to to create a, a prospect and turn that prospect into a, a piece of business, but also to um, you know, help the consumer even know how to make their mind up. And, and ultimately, when that happens, it always ends up coming back to price, which uh, you know, <laughs> is ultimately one of the main reasons to have a point of difference so that hopefully you don't have to fight purely on price. Enough, Pete. Uh, that was one of the issues that we had when we were doing some work with Australian Underwater Products and where well, you've got scuba diving gear, for example, uh, you know, prices are being um, put out there in the market where people are buying online. So to have a unique point of difference uh, for, for Oceanic and Hollis, let's say, the warranty was a big, big part in this. So when it comes to ensuring that a retailer has a better story to say uh, when you've got someone in their shop and uh, they're considering purchase, to have a warranty that's uh, extended beyond competitors is, is one thing, but also, I guess, bringing to life that whole warranty story so that then it, it becomes the point of difference when you're considering purchasing a product, very much like in the automotive industry. Yeah, well, that's, um, I mean, currently, I think the both the Korean brands are, they're throwing seven years, I think, warranty now yeah. at their new cars. Yeah. I, think that, I think they mentioned that latest, the last set of Holden's coming out of, I think they're trying to match the seven years as well, which is quite interesting. 
probably takes you that long to read the, uh, you know, the privacy, the, the disclaimer document as well. I'm not sure. Seven years is a long time, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. yeah. Look, it's you're having to, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, you're having to do it nowadays, particularly with, as you say, something like AUP, where a lot of products are available online. Um, people will shop around and, and go for the cheapest price. So um, you, you have to add that value, whether it's through a warranty or, or other some or other offer or guarantee. Mm. Or incentive. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 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 I mean, it's funny, the um, um, cycling industry, which is something I know a fair bit about, obviously digital disruption and there's been a big mm. online retailers have really encroached on the uh, local bike shop market probably in the last decade or so and initially – there was a lot of, you know, hoo-ha and a lot of the bike shops are getting up in arms about it. And then I think slowly but surely they've come to appreciate that, well, that's just the way it is. And there are certain things where they maybe can't fight on price whatsoever, so don't even try. And they've, they've shifted their points of difference. And I think if you go and sort of do an audit of bike shops, they're almost to a store now fighting very much on service and big ticket item stuff. And, you know, whilst you might be prepared to buy a bike or a tube online, you're not going to you don't have that confidence or that trust to perhaps buy a $5,000 or $6,000 or $10,000 bicycle online. And no. that's where they've really steered this. You know, we can yeah. give you that service. We can make sure it fits you properly. We can make sure it's the right thing, the right bicycle for you for that high ticket item. And I, I think, you know, they've, a shifting in that point of difference has come as a result of that as well. And I think that's another lesson to learn is that maybe just because something was something you were renowned for once doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be that way and you need to to keep your eyes open and um, mm. and see where the market is shifting and perhaps you need to shift with it sometimes. That's a very good point, Peter. I mean, I've, we've experienced as a family going going on holiday. Obviously, there's going to be significant hiking. And uh, I would say the vast majority of the products we bought, we, we bought online. Um, yeah. If there had been a retail shop that could add some added value uh, to a product, to a well-known product, then you probably would have gone down there and bought, and bought it. But really, you know, Hiking boots are hiking boots almost. So you go for the the brand name, but you try to find the cheapest uh, uh, provider. Uh, yeah. And as I said, that's that doesn't give you that uh, point of difference uh, that you're no. looking that you're looking for. I've been looking up a bit about athletes' foot, and they've hey. been doing that my fit thing, you know, in store. Yeah. With a yes. customized, a tailored, exact, you know, get the right shoe for the right foot. Like they've been doing that for you know years. And you know that whole that comes back to that bike thing that you're mentioning, Pete, about you know mm. getting the right fit for the for the product that you're going to buy and the customer experience and mm. getting getting value and and you know getting that across to the customer actually in stores, you know that's what a lot of retail is going to have to be doing now. I think. Yeah. On a local level, I think um, when you're talking about professional services, though. Um, of which we've spoken to quite a few and we have worked with some, having that point of difference can come in all short, all sorts of shapes and sizes. And let, for example, insurance, where you can buy on on price, um, but not knowing all the ins and outs and the different clauses and caveats when it comes to buying insurance is, is kind of, uh, for some people, it's a bit of a minefield. So if you're working with a broker of some sort, um, and this, we work with, with Macy's, uh, their, their point of difference is, Getting to know your business from from you know from start to finish, so that they get a better understanding as to how to provide you with the right business insurance, whether it's public indemnity or liability. So they get to know you on a very personal level and uh, mm. are able to then help navigate you through that particular package of insurance, because obviously every business is going to be different. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that, 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 you know, that's they, very, they have a zoo. They've got a zoo. 
the shoal having zoo as a, as a, as a client. Um, and then they've got other kinds of business as well. So they've got different liabilities and, and different issues to, to navigate around. That's very important because uh, particularly with insurance, uh, it's, uh, it's very easy to buy insurance and very easy for business to buy insurance. But it's what happens once you want to claim uh, that you then realize whether you've actually bought the right one or, again, you haven't uh, taken into account all the various clauses. So it's having that uh, that expertise that sits behind it. Mm. Uh, and um, it's trying to convey that expertise because, of course, uh, a lot of that you only experience once you've engaged the, uh, the broker. So uh, the broker needs to demonstrate that in other ways, whether it be online or on their website or using testimonials, et cetera, to actually... Uh, uh, demonstrate have proof points to this uh, sort of added value services. Mm, yeah. Well, I think one that's a bit of what um, UE's doing at the moment. Did you see that the the UE stuff that they're doing at the moment, where the who's in the car? Yeah, yes, um, yes, where yes. we get to know you better, and that's it's yep. great. That's the premise of getting to know you better, and they, yeah. they've done that one with Osha Gunsberg. Five well, five point four million views or whatever. I'm not sure whether that's since May, since they started it, but mm. um, yeah, it's pretty entertaining. I mean, it's getting a lot of a lot of people watching it That's and a, sort of getting closer to the brand. They just, I mean, you is a really good example of using technology to create a point of difference, though, isn't it? And and, and yeah. basically, ever since they came into the market several years ago, they've all been about we get to know you better, and that's why you're not paying for things you don't need. And a lot of other brands now do that as well, not just the insurance, but I oh, think the, the visually really, they were different too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They yeah. went that whole black and white thing and they did that, yeah. you know, the, the quirky chap talking, you know, straight to camera and all that. That was really interesting. I think I think what you're tapping into there, Brett, is a really important point because there might be a lot of people listening to this who are thinking, well, but what I do isn't necessarily any different to anybody else. And I think that's when you start to get into this, you know, tone of voice and the way you deliver your message mm. can actually help to create a point of difference, um, a perceived point of difference. Um, at a more emotional mm. level, even if perhaps when you really strip things back, there isn't much of a difference in the product or the service that you provide. And and I think, you know, that's sometimes where not just SMEs, but all, all businesses can go a little bit wrong because they think they're maybe saving a bit of money just doing it themselves or doing a pretty simple job. And in reality, if you you spend a bit more time to, to build a, a genuinely different brand personality, um, yeah. you know, whatever that happens to be, um, that can really set you apart. And, and, and once you're set apart, like we are saying at the start, you know, suddenly people notice you. And, and, and whilst maybe you're not for everybody, the people you are going to be able to help will, will see you and they'll, they'll be drawn to you and away you go. So I think that's yep. a really good point Brett makes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. I think that's like, especially with insurance, it's, it's a, bit of a bit of a dry sort of business, I suppose, from a lot of people's perspective. And um, if you can... Tap into the brand through so whether it's humour or whether it's you know a funny film or a, just be engaged in a slightly different manner. Um, yeah, yeah. Perhaps you're more likely to sign up. You know, handle well, I mean, your you money. Look at the Captain Risky campaign for real insurance. I mean, that that was hugely. successful. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that was massively successful and it was really different. Um, that maybe lost their way a little bit now. I, I think mm. the one risk I suppose here is we're talking about a lot of big brands with big advertising budgets. Um, mm. What I would say is though that the lessons from that don't necessarily have to be you know executed in million dollar advertising campaigns. Um, I think the actual strategy behind it can be executed in anything. Correct. Even just the way you on your website, mm. you know, yeah. yep. um, it, it, it could be very simple. Yeah. And I know I know we're going to talk a bit about this in the next um, episode when we talk about brand, but I think. Pete, to your point about 
uh, you don't have to spend a lot of money to do this. I think the, the thing is there are so many categories out there, you know, insurance, uh, accountancy is another one, law, let's say, and they're not exactly exciting. So in having that point of difference, by whichever way that is, as whether it's the communication or, uh, or, the, or the tonality, then you can really yeah. set yourself apart by yeah. going against the grain, as, as you know, as you'd say, zig while someone else is zagging, um, yeah. and, and, and really sort of standing out. Yeah, not just for the sake of it. I, I think it's important that ultimately there's still a, um, a relevant reason to do it. Mm. But I think, you know, if that it's is... It's still got to communicate a message, isn't it? It's still getting correct. something You're across. not just doing it for the sake of getting attention. You're doing it yeah. to get attention and then, oh, and here's the yeah. the message. Yeah. And, oh, right, I get it. That makes total sense. Um, yeah. Under the yeah. work we do, well, they're, they're very, you know, the whole, they're very approachable and the tone of voice is quite different for what they do. And I thought that was a really interesting example at a very, you know, a more local level that it can be just as effective. Yeah, when we look at doing the values, um, I think that the, you know using a language that fits with the brand, but also sets itself apart, and actually being really proud about the way we communicate uh, as a business is it's very much like what we do as well. Um, you know, informative, but a bit more relaxed and those sorts of things. So it can be done, and you're right; it has to be it has to be the right business, but with the right intention and the right strategy. Um, but clearly, there is a way of, of se separating you from the rest of the, the rest of the herd. Yeah, and I think so. Businesses are just happy to go ahead with what everyone else is doing. I th sort of found that in the past, isn't it? Mm. Like the, the herd mentality. To, yeah, they tend to just follow the crowd and, and, and too scared to, um, you know, go a little bit left and do something a little bit different. Be brave. Um, be brave. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't be reckless, but be brave. Yeah. Well, and, was, and, you know, yeah. all of us worked on that big uh, big banking brand a number of years ago, and they started doing, you know, cartoons and illustrations, and that was quite different for a bank. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just to be communicate, be communicating in that sort of language is quite <coughs> different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, if we look at some other, I guess, unique benefits um, that we could consider as, as being a way of having a point of difference. Um, some of those might be, you know, for example, something that's highest quality, um, that's clearly sets themselves apart from the rest of the market. Uh, we, we discussed about customer service. Are there any other things that you'd say that are pretty key when we're looking at carving out that point of difference yeah. when it comes to your product or service? Look, I think just one thing I wanted to say, mate, is when we talk about customer service and quality, I, I think those things are absolutely able to be points of difference. But one thing I would say, um, you know, as communicators, it's important to be as specific as you possibly can because mm. if you're not specific, those terms are so cliched and so generic. Yes, yes. You know, we have great service. Yeah. We have really good quality products. It's like there's nothing about that. I just feel like I've heard it all before. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, mm. Whereas if you can be very specific about that quality, or very specific right. about that service. I mean, some of the great customer service-based points of difference are the ones which are quantified in, you know, we'll, if it's not, we're not there in half an hour, it's free, or you'll have it tomorrow or your money back, or if you find it somewhere cheaper, we'll give it for you 10%. Or, you know what I mean? And suddenly you're actually, yep. it's becoming more of a guarantee than just a 
a, a statement that may or may not be true. And I, that's just one thing I wanted to mention about that. Um, I, I, I think I think that's vital, Peter. Uh, uh, a, a good example that I found it. It's not a big company. Uh, I don't think it is. It's called Geeks to You, which is about you know IT for for, for home uh, home users. Uh, and they've identified through research probably five or six key things that are a concern for a household. And they've either got a statement or a guarantee or a proof point that identifies all of those. So it's actually building up a whole set of perceived differences uh, to make you really feel confident that if you phone them, you're going to get everything that they've promised you. Uh, and that's what I think everybody uh, talks about. I mean, you mentioned about guarantees and about delivery. Obviously, there's the famous uh, domino one about uh, Tony Monaghan, who said, you know, my research showed that uh, actually the people, what they really wanted, they wanted their pizza quick and they wanted it guaranteed to get there. <laughs> And his whole strategy of his pizza uh, empire was based on that. He actually chose shops to ensure that uh, he could actually deliver within 30 minutes around that area. And he slowly built up his franchise system based on that concept. And even the current ads are about getting something guaranteed at a certain time. I know it's not doesn't have a, a fuller guarantee as it used to, but even the tracking of your pizza, pizza motorbike is part of that same concept yeah. Of guaranteeing you'll know you'll get your pizza when, when we said you would. Yeah. Well, it's the same. One, one of the ones that is as well, isn't it, really? Yes. Yeah. One of the ones that. Oh, yeah, Bunnings is, is a classic, isn't it? Is um, the Amy, you know, you'll always speak to a real person and they've obviously yeah. built their whole brand around the Amy girl, hmm. um, although they're having a bit more fun with that these days, but still, she's there and she's a, a visual mnemonic for the brand. But. Um, you ring up Amy and you will always speak to a real person. The fact that it's just someone at a switchboard who then redirects your call and you maybe end up on a, an automated system 30 seconds later is, is kind of not the point. <laughs> yeah. They don't talk about that in their advertising, but, but you know, in a lot of their stuff, they still really focus on that. And, and it's been obviously very successful for them and it continues to be. It's a fundamental pillar of the Amy brand. Mm. Um, and I think that there's a lesson there as well is that when you do find something um, – Pour yourself into it. Don't go into it half-hearted. You know, if you're going to do it, if you're going to stake a, put a stake in the ground, do it properly and really make it something that, that people become, you, you become renowned for it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's not only just the communication of what you're trying to sell, but I think there's also um, lots of opportunity with the actual product and looking internally at what you're actually doing, how you're making things and whether there's different ideas that can branch out from, your core piece of business, I suppose. Mm -hmm. What about packaging, Brett? I mean, that's something you've got a lot of experience in. Um, would you say packaging can become a point of difference? Oh, certainly, yeah. I mean, certainly when people buy, you know, a lot of people well, I think, I think it's well known that people buy from what they see pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, you see in store there's a lot of competition with um, the way people present food, for example, mm -hmm. um, the, the way they use colour and type and um, the perception of the brand as far as whether it's quality or whether it's cheap or whether it's mm -hmm. um, organic or whether it's Australian made, all mm -hmm. those sorts of messages are done. You know, yeah. you do all that through packaging. Well, we, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really important actually because we, we wrote an article several months ago now about packaging and one of the interesting things I found was the, the, the company in the US called Method where they have a range of their products which are all sort of household consumables from you know soaps and um, washing up liquids and mm -hmm. stuff and the packaging is made from uh, reclaimed ocean plastic 
So there in itself lies their production yeah. processes. Mm. Using, what, a great, what a difference. Yeah. And you can really, it's a very, very strong message. Um, but, you know, as you said, Peter, you either go in uh, wholeheartedly or, as opposed to dabble on the outside and say, well, we do a bit of this. If you're in that space, go in hard and, and, and really yeah. sort of make, make the most of it. We, we, we've oh, talked yeah. about this before. It's consistency, isn't it? it mm. It's just people can smell a rat. If you're constantly jumping around, whether it's the way you communicate or it's the tone of voice or it's your logo or whatever, if, you're, if, if people can sense if you don't really have a clear you know, idea of who you are and what you stand for as a business. And I think, you know, point of difference is, is another one of those things where you really need to, to ha- it's, which, which sort of taking a step further back is why you need to maybe stop and, and audit yourself every now and then and just saying, what do we stand for? Have we ever actually articulated that? What what are we here to do? What do we believe in? Yeah. And if you can find a point of difference that's anchored to that, then that's going to be so much more powerful as a result because it's a direct reflection of what you stand for as a business. And I think method's a really good example of that. Their point of difference was anchored very directly to why they existed as a as a brand and as a business, and that's why it was good. Yeah, and I think you're right. Yeah. Having look, having the time to actually stand back and you know do an audit on all of your communication material is is really mm. important because a lot a lot of businesses that we know don't don't either have the time or don't think about it that way because you, you I, I've seen recently a whole suite of marketing collateral. And they all look like they're produced by different people for different brands, where in actual fact they're all from the same business. Yeah. Um, so having a, having a third party look on that is really important to say. What are we saying in this piece? Is it on brand? Does it does it does it say what we stand for? And does it say the right thing in terms of what the customer is? It customer centric as well. Does it does it get yeah. across that point of difference? And if not, then yeah. perhaps you need to have a look at changing it. Absolutely yeah, true. Okay, so. Uh, I think we've probably covered off a lot of that uh, on the point of difference today. Uh, the next episode will go much, much deeper into brand and all these sorts of things with regards to personality and values and so forth, which is part of um, you know our strategic process that we do with some of our clients. We'll we'll do that next time. Um, but I'd like to uh, thank you all again for gathering and um, look forward to the next episode. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Thank That's you. Good. Yep, see you all soon, yeah? We'll chat soon. Yeah, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gathering. If you enjoyed this conversation, keep an ear out for the next podcast. But in the meantime, visit us at themarketingclan.com.